come and to preach in this particular church. So, thank you for the invitation. We're in the vicinity of Galilee. John the Baptist, meanwhile, has been put in prison because of his outspoken comments on the relationship of the king and the queen. When the disciples of John the Baptist eh, come to Jesus in this episode that's before us this morning, John is obviously going through a difficult phase and he sends them with questions to discover just who Jesus is. And so this passage gives Matthew the opportunity to raise some very serious issues that each of us might have depending on our journey with Jesus at this moment in our lives. When you begin to have doubts, what should you do? Do you have doubts from time to time? When John the Baptist had doubts, what did he do? I think it's safe enough, and we would only be honest if we each admitted that from time to time, we do have doubts. Even folks that are well down the road in the Christian faith. Maybe even some residents in Beulah might from time to time have a wee doubting episode. John the Baptist had a doubting episode in his life. You might be sailing along fine, enjoying Jesus, thrilled with your faith and all that is done, and then something goes wrong. There's an illness, there's a tragedy, there's an upset somewhere along your line, and suddenly, for a moment, you're doubting. Is there a God? Is Jesus real? Is he mine? The doubts come in. John the Baptist is probably the last person in the world you would ever expected to have a doubt. He always seemed so strong and so terrifying and so utterly fierce. The way he went about things with his furry coats and the bits of locusts hanging out his mouth and things like that. And shout and repent and be baptized. And look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who would have believed for a moment? And somebody like John the Baptist would have had a doubt. But he did. When he ended up in prison, and this fiercely active evangelist found himself languishing in the darkness of a cell and began to wonder, is Jesus really the Lamb of God? I know I said he was, but is he? Could he possibly really be the Christ? I told people he was. And for a moment he succumbs to doubt. Someone wrote, whether your faith is that there is a God or that there is not a God, if you don't have doubts, you're either kidding yourself or asleep. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. Doubts. Well, we've all been there, maybe some... This morning here in this building or 
there today. And you're here with doubts in your heart. You know the nice thing about that quote? tells us even atheists have doubts. Not just Christians. So what do you do when doubts come? There are three simple answers given us in this opening little section, verses 1 to 6. I would suggest the first thing we need to do is express these doubts. Admit them. Face them. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? He faced his doubt. He expressed his doubt. Looked it in the eye and decided to deal with it. You see, he wasn't sure for a moment that Jesus was the Christ. That was his doubt. He, he wasn't quite shaping up like John had expected. Someone said that John the Baptist maybe thought like this. After all, Jesus was born not to royalty, like you might have expected, but a peasant woman. He functioned not as a military ruler, she would have expected but as a servant. He came not as a judge, but as a forgiving redeemer. He didn't bring heavenly condemnation. He brought divine love. Didn't associate with the religious establishment. He went from village to village associating with the rubbish heap of humanity. Spent his time and energy with the least and the lost. He was most concerned with the powerless, the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, the poor and the outcast. And Jesus dared to teach that the weak occupied the most important place in the kingdom of God. And so John asked, is he the one? It's not what I thought. Is he the one? But at least he expressed that doubt in words. He was maybe remembering, you know, in the Old Testament that Jesus, uh, was, who was to come, would have set the captives free. And he said, well, here I am in prison. He hasn't set me free. So the doubts were there in his heart and in his mind. You got doubts? Face them. Tell somebody. Speak them out. Express it. Speak it. I preached this sermon a while ago in the high church in Stornoway. And as I was preaching this bit, there was a young woman sitting up in the gallery. And as I was saying these things, she was sitting there thinking to herself, I don't actually have any doubts. James, I must be a Christian. <laughs> and she decided it was time to take a stand as a Christian. Because she faced the fact that at that moment in her life, she had no more doubts. That's not to say she'll not have them. 
but express your doubts. Or if you're sitting there quite happy this morning saying, no, I'm not, great. Praise God for that. But the first thing you need to do if you've got doubt is express them. Second thing I would suggest these verses tell us to do if we have doubts is we need to examine the evidence. That's exactly what Jesus tells the disciples of John. Go back and tell him. The blind receive the sight, the lame walk, and so on and so on. Examine the evidence. I think Jesus really tells the disciples here to tell John to do two things there, actually. First thing he's really saying to him is, look, John, get your Bible out. Because what Jesus is doing in that answer is quoting from Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. And so he's really saying to to John, look, if you've got doubts, get your Bible out, have another read at it, and God will give you the faith that will drive these doubts away. So get your Bible out and have a look at it. So first of all, he says that. But he's also saying, surely, look at the evidence. Come on, open your eyes, see what's happening. Doesn't that tell you that I am the Christ, the Son of God, the one that had to come? Folks in the community where I work at the moment in Lewis, they struggle often with spiritual assurance. Am I really a Christian? Am I really good enough? Am I worthy? These are questions that haunt people in the Lewis culture. And sometimes folks come to see me, especially before communion time, which is the time traditionally there when people come and make a profession of faith. And they say, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I'm not really sure if I'm I'm right for that yet. And What I say to them is precisely what Jesus says here. I say, look, examine the evidence. Do you love Jesus? Oh, yes, I'll say. Do you love to meet with God's people? Oh, yes. Do you read your Bible? Absolutely. Do you say prayers every day? Absolutely. Are you interested in the work of God? Yes. Are you different now to what you were three years ago? Absolutely. Come on then, look at the evidence. You know, see what God's done. And don't be listening to doubts and lies that the evil one throws into our minds. So express your doubts. Examine the evidence. And then surely is saying thirdly there in verse 6, and embrace Christ. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In other words, Jesus is saying, John, stick by me. Stay close. Don't go wandering off. Be where I am. Draw close to me. Cling to me. Hold on to me. Don't let me go. Stay with me. And the closer we stay to Christ, the more likely the doubts will go. So there's our first question and our first issue this morning. When you begin to have doubts, express them, examine the evidence, and embrace Jesus. Now Jesus takes the clue here to go on. Having had John the Baptist come 
as it were, into their midst with the questions through the disciples, he takes a chance to talk a bit about John the Baptist and to raise other issues. And so he turns then from the disciples to the crowd. And he reminds them of the days when they went into the desert looking for something. And that raises the second issue that these verses bring before us this morning. When you are seeking for something, what what are you looking for? What should you do? And that's what Jesus begins to talk about here. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed shape swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? And so on and so on. When you are seeking for something, I don't expect everybody here this morning is actually a Christian yet. I'd be a wee bit disappointed if you were all committed Christians. I hope there's some here that are seeking. The reason you're here this morning is because you've got questions. You're hungry and thirsty for some answers. We all go through a phase before we come to Christ, when there's an emptiness in our hearts, purposelessness, a lostness, and so on. Have you heard the story about the man who hated his wife's cat? And so one day when she wasn't any, bunged it in the car and drove 20 blocks down the road and threw it out. The only thing was by the time he got back to the house there, it was walking back up the path again. <laughs> And so the next day, he bunged it in the car again and took it 40 blocks away. But again, when he got back to the house, there it was, walking up the path again. And so the next day, he drove a few miles away. He turned right, he turned left, he passed the bridge, then right again and another right, and so on until he got to the perfect spot, away out in the middle of nowhere and shoved the car out the door. A wee while later, he had to phone home. Jen, is the cat there? Why do you ask, said his wife. Put it on the phone, because I'm lost. <laughs> but there are people that are lost, aren't there? There are people in our society that are seriously lost. They haven't a clue what's going on in their lives. They haven't a clue where their lives are going. Don't know what they want. Don't know where to find the answers. Absolutely, completely and utterly lost. They try to find answers in their drink and their drugs and their sex and their job satisfaction and in relationships of different kinds and travel and possessions. But fundamentally, they are completely and utterly lost. You know, there was a humanist that when he died, his very last words, I'm going to the great Perhaps, he said. Dylan Thomas, the famous poet's very last words were, I've had 18 straight whiskies. I think that's a record. Last word. Bing Crosby died on a golf course. 
having sunk his last last words. That was a great game. Is that what it is for some people? Is that the extent of lostness that are in people's hearts and lives? Maybe there's some this morning here that have that kind of sensation in their hearts. Well, what does Jesus say? If that's you today, I would say he says two things here for us. In verses 79 is saying, remember what you're looking for. Jesus reminds the people of what they were looking for when they went in those early days into the wilderness. They had such a hunger and such a thirst. They had such an aching spiritual need. They were willing to go away out into the desert to find some answers from a hairy man with locusts hanging out his mouth. You didn't go there to see people dressed up, did you? Wasn't it in material things you were going to find answers, was it? Wasn't it to, to watch reeds floating in the wind? It wasn't in nature that you went out there to find God, was it? He says, do you remember what you were looking for? You know, people, when I work in Lewis, they often look back and say, oh, it was great days in the past, you know, when everybody came to church. And they don't do that anymore. And I say, I'm so glad they don't do that anymore. Because the reason they did that was out of social convention. It was to please their grannies. And it wasn't because they loved the Lord or it wasn't because they were seeking. They just did it. Whereas now they do it because they want to do it or because they're seeking. And so Jesus reminds them that when they went there, that's what they were Looking for. Remember what you're looking for. You're looking for the spiritual hunger of your heart to be met. You're looking for a way of life that pulls everything together. That gives you answers to the huge questions that are in life today. Get focused on. Don't settle for less than that. Is saying to us this morning. And then surely is saying, when you are seeking, look to me. Focus on Christ. He went out there, he says, you see, to find a prophet, but it wasn't the prophet they were looking for, was it? It was the one the prophet had come to prepare the way for, he says. I will send my messenger ahead of you and you will prepare the way before you. It was the the one that was coming after the prophet that was to have the answers. And who was that? Of course it was Jesus, wasn't it? Jesus was the answer. Jesus was the one who would meet their needs. And he's challenging them now. Look, you've lost it for a while. You've forgotten what you're looking for. Get back onto it. It's me you're looking for. It's me that you'll find the answers in. All the answers you will find in Jesus. So focus on him. Someone wrote, O Lord our God, grant us grace to desire you with our whole heart 
that so desiring we may seek and seeking find you, and so finding you may love you, and loving you may hate those sins from which you have redeemed us. When you're seeking, remember what you're seeking, and don't give up till you find it. And the promise is that those that seek Christ will find him. So what about those of us that have found him? What about it when you find Jesus? What about it when you decide to follow Jesus? And that's the third big issue that comes from verse 11 of this chapter. When you decide that Jesus is the answer, when you decide to follow him, what can you expect? What's going to happen? First thing Jesus says, when you decide to follow me, you'll realize that you are greater than John the Baptist. Now that's pretty fantastic, isn't it? Because Jesus says here, look, of all the prophets there's ever been, John's the greatest. But then he also says, doesn't he, that anybody who decides to follow Jesus and gives a life to him and gets to know him as Saviour and Lord, that person is even greater than John the Baptist. What does he mean? Well, surely he's reminding us that John the Baptist, of course, could only take us so far. He talked about repentance. He talked about water baptism. He could take us so far. He could take us right up to Christ. But once Christ comes, what does Christ do? He gives us a new birth. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. He gives us power. He sets us on fire. He transforms our life. When we come to Jesus, what does Jesus do? He makes us to be his brothers and sisters in Christ. What does Jesus do? He makes us to be sons of God. He makes us to be children of God. He raises us up to that position with God. John couldn't quite do that, but Jesus does it. And so some pathetic wee Christian person is greater than John the Baptist because he is raised up to that position. When you decide to follow Jesus, you become a son and a daughter of the living God. You become a brother of Jesus Christ. You become someone who has instant access into the very presence of God who is your father. You can go running in at any day, any time of the day or night, and you can fall on your knees before him, and you can say, Dad, I need your help, because he's put you in that position. Realize you're greater than John the Baptist. Second thing he says to us this morning, that if we are going to decide to follow Jesus, we need to learn to listen carefully to God's word. It's just slipped in there. We tend to notice it. Do not notice it. But there it is in verse 15. He who has ears, let him hear. When you decide to follow Jesus, you have to get tuned into Jesus. You have to start listening to the word of God. You have to start listening to the spirit. You have to hear what the word of God is saying. 
I had a funny experience once when I was home on home assignment from Korea and I was preaching in a church. I'll not tell you which church, but I was preaching in this church. And when I went to the door at the end of the service and I was shaking hands with people at the door, a woman came out and she shook me by the hand and she looked me in the eye and she said, I just want to tell you I didn't hear a single word you said today. And she said, I just want to tell you as well that nobody in this church heard a single word that you said today. And I was a bit depressed when I heard that. And I thought, was the microphone not working? And then I thought, but but they laughed when I said something funny. And when I was getting serious and looked them in the eye, they looked away. They were listening. Then I realised what that woman was saying. Was that she didn't want to listen. And she was determined not to listen. And she hated listening. And she wanted to so depress the preacher of the word of God that he would reckon he wasn't worth listening to ever again. And my heart went cold at the thought of what that woman was doing. Closing her heart to the word of God. When Jesus says, when you decide to follow me, you should listen carefully to the word of God. You can't grow in your faith if you're not listening to the word. You can't possibly advance in the things of God if you're not coming constantly and putting your heart under the word of God that he'll speak and feed your soul with the things of God. Then there's one final thing I think Jesus tells us here. And it's quite a hard thing he has to say to us, you see. He says at the conclusion of this section, when you decide to follow me, it's time to stop playing around. And it's time to get serious with Jesus. He looks at them, you see, and he says, you're just like a lot of children. Some of you wanted to play weddings. And some of you wanted to pay funerals. Because you wouldn't play with each other and give and take, you ended up not playing at all. I remember that happening when I was a kid in the borders in Kelso. We used to have a custom in the playground. If, if two or three of you wanted to play a game, you would put your arms around each other like this and you would walk through the playground and you would shout, Wait, well, I have to do it in the border accent. Sorry about this. I'll give you a translation in a moment. Who wants a game at Coos and Ingans? Who wants a game of Cowboys and Indians, that means. <laughs> but there would be a rival group that would be singing, Who wants a game at Japs and British? Because that's what we did. And they ended up, none of us played with anybody and the bell went and we had to go back into school. <laughs> And that's the position here and there are lots of people that have decided to follow Jesus and they never quite get involved in anything. They never quite get doing anything or going anything anywhere for him. And it's time, Jesus says here, if you are going to follow me, to stop playing around and get involved with Christ. 
He also attacks their inconsistency because it's so easy to think of excuses. When John came, because he didn't eat, he said he had a demon. When Jesus came, he said he was a glutton and a drunkard. People that just look for any excuse not to be involved. So other folks today here in this church, I think there are often are in big churches, you know, people that come to a big church because they don't have to do anything. They just want to sit there. Now there's times in our lives when that's right and good. There are times in our lives when we need to be doing and being involved and stop playing around and get serious with Jesus. They got it wrong, but not quite. Did you notice that? Oh, he's a glutton and a drunkard, they said. Friend of tax collectors and sinners. That last bit was right. Because he is a friend of tax collectors. And thank God he's a friend of sinners. Because that's what we need. That's what I need. Surely that's what you need. When we decide to follow Jesus, never, never forget he is a friend of sinners and will always be your friend forever. Well, this is the Jesus that's presented to us in these verses and he's worth meeting, he's worth seeking, he's worth knowing and he's worth serving. And I pray that each of us will find that in our lives. Let's just have a quick prayer and then we'll sing again.